Hey everybody, it's your DM Andrew. Couple of quick notes before we get into the episode. We had a bit of a technical snafu and my entire track for this episode dropped out. So if I sound weird, if I sound like I'm way far away from the mics, it's because I was. Sorry that the audio quality sucks. I promise that after these next two episodes, it will pick right back up again. On to the second thing. Exciting news, we recently reached a couple of big milestones uh, in Twitter followers and downloads, and we were so excited about it that we decided to do a giveaway. We're giving away a handmade dice bag made by yours truly, and I actually did hand embroidery on it for the first time, which came out a lot better than I honestly had expected. So if you want a chance to win that, complete with a set of dice and maybe a couple extras in there, uh, go over to our Twitter at Beholder underscore S. That post is pinned right to the top of our Twitter. Give it a like, retweet it, and make sure you're following us. All right, that's enough for me. Why don't we get into the episode? Chapter 10. A Murder at the Sleeping Giant. Three may keep a secret if two of them are dead. Benjamin Franklin, Poor Richard's Almanac. Welcome, brave traveler, to Salandrian, a city steeped in murder, mystery, and madness. Stagnation and complacency have run rampant, and something monstrous churns behind the dark. A group of private investigators are the only thing that stands in the way of injustice and despair. Let us join them now for another exciting episode of The Beholder's Eye! One, two, one, two, three, four. Swifty and Lazy, you've been kind of finishing up some paperwork, dealing with your busy work around the office, when you both kind of notice from your offices that Penny has brought somebody in from the outside, and you're probably going to have a case coming your way if you don't get out of there quick, and the two of you start to try and finish up your work and get out of there, and as... You're both coming out of your offices simultaneously. No, no. Um, as I see Penny coming back with a customer, I drop all of my paperwork, and I'm going to try to sneak out of the office. <laughs> okay. Yeah, maybe a stealth check. <laughs> 20. Total. I'm going to see if I notice Dang. this and, like, so yeah, grab Lazy, him. you're coming out of your door, and... I'm excited about the work. His, ...his office at the same time. I don't notice. I... Benny does not notice Swifty coming out of his office and sneaking somehow blending into the wall as he's sneaking down the hallway. Literally like tiptoeing <laughs> right by her. 
all <laughs> exaggerated like because she sees lazy come out of her office right as she's closing one of the doors of the i walk up to penny and start talking to her oh yeah she's oh lazy yes <laughs> come come over we've got a an actual murder this time it's it's been a long time since we've copped one of those usually the guards get to them before but we're I, i've got them set up in the room i can give you a little bit of information before you head in there have you seen anyone else around i saw swifty earlier but i haven't seen him recently okay well um aldalar's still up front i'm sure <coughs> we could probably get him in on this one so let me let me go grab him and swifty as you're coming through you're gonna make me get past al too yeah of course you have to get past okay as you're coming through the, total. the lobby area Aldalar's kind of sitting behind the desk watching things while Penny is in the back and he kind of perks up for a second and looks around and you freeze in place and he seems to not notice you so you make it out the front door but as you're coming out of the front door the little bell over the top of the door dings and Aldalar immediately sees you <laughs> and he says Swifty where are you where are you off to this afternoon I ignore him and I walk out the door. Wait, Swifty! And he, he he runs out the door after he says, "Uh, did you not see Penny? She's she's got a new case for us. Um, it shouldn't take too long. It's just a murder case." I look at him and say, "Yes, I know. I go do it now." And I walk away. Okay. So I don't go very far. I get far enough that I'm away from Al, but I can still see the front of Beholder's eye, and I wait for Michelle to do her thing with the customer and maybe lead him out, and I'm gonna follow them and shadow them. Okay, I like it. So, Lazy, uh, before you go into the interrogation room, Penny says, okay, so, a few things that he's told me. Um, can we call it the conference room instead of the interrogation room where we bring our guests? I think that there should be a two different, like, <laughs> yeah, we would like, have a room with chairs, nice chairs to Maybe talk snacks. to clients. So, I got a, a, a little bit of information out of him. He said that his traveling companion was murdered last night sometime. He, he had been out for a while, and when he came back, he found the body. And this morning, or well, I guess he's been, he's been awake since then because he's been trying to find someone that would help him with this investigation. It seems he doesn't really like the guards in the city for some reason. Um, a lot of travelers don't, though. They... The guards don't treat outsiders very well sometimes. But, anyways... Um, While Penny's telling me this, I'm going over to the coffee machine and getting a coffee to bring in to the <laughs> room. And she says, so, I'm gonna need you to go in there and, and see what he knows about what happened and... Um, Apparently he's preserved the crime scene, so you guys can go go and check it out. I'm gonna go see if I can find Swifty. So while I'm waiting outside for them, I know there's been a murder because Al told me there's been a murder. Mm -hmm. So I snag one of the street urchins, yeah. and I use him to contact my criminal contacts, just to ask like any murders going on. Yeah. Thirteen. Thirteen. You grab one of the urchins, walking around. One of the little street urchins walking around. And you kind of pick him up in the way that you do with your <laughs> little child context. <laughs> Tell me, little urchin, you know about the murders. And he looks in your eyes and he says, Sir, I, I didn't murder anyone. What are you talking about? Someone was murdered last night. I need to find them. Do you know where they were murdered? 
in the body. <laughs> I don't think you can murder a soul. Um, I mean, yeah, that's typically how most murders occur. You go ask other people and come back. Okay. And I shake him and throw him away. Uh, he runs off and comes back about five to ten minutes later. But as as you're waiting for him, Lazy, you you open the door. When you walked into the room, you saw sitting behind the the single desk in the middle of the room a very muscly looking dragonborn. And you're used to seeing Swifty all the time. And Swifty's pretty big, you know, even for a dragonborn. Torin uh, sitting there is a lot more intimidating in a way, just because he's also not really covering himself in anything extravagant. They're they're loose gray robes that swab his body, but he you can tell I like to get fancy with it. He, yeah. You can tell he's not a, a fancy dragonborn. He he seems to be maybe not poor, but Spartan. Maybe a fellow monk. And you see though by the coloration of his scales that he's a bronze dragonborn. And just kind of from general knowledge, you would know that bronze dragonborn have a uh, lightning connection. So I walk in and I um, I notice that he's bronze and has lightning and I smile and hand him the cup of coffee and say, I heard you had a long night. Oh, heck of a night. Heck of a night I've been having. <laughs> it's just not every day your oldest friend gets killed, you know? It's just one day that that happens. So he was very ca- you seem very casual about it. I'm upset. He- but- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sip on the coffee. <laughs> I'm upset, you know, I and I can't trust these guards. They're always making trouble for us, you know, just trying to come through, just trying to learn a little bit more about ourselves and about religion, and always they're causing trouble for us, so didn't want to go to them and come get pointed to you all. And now I'm sitting in what looks like a comfortable interrogation room. And it's just, oh, it's been such a day. You got, what, how does this usually go down? Should I explain to you what happened or? Yeah, please. I'd love to know more. Sorry, it's my first time telling someone about a murder. Uh, Yeah, I travel, uh, I travel with this guy named Arant. And great guy, you know, uh, just a really... Just a kind soul, never a, a mean word to anybody. Way more, way more friendly than I am. And uh, and I wake up, come to wake up, and he's he's been murdered right in the body. Somebody murdered him all over his body <laughs> in our tavern room. Uh, it was terrible. So I I left the body. So I you were in the room when this happened? No, no, I I just stepped out. And then I came back and I found his body in the inn room that was that we were staying in. Okay, and what reason were you stepped out for? Um, well, so earlier in the night we'd been talking to somebody, uh, and he, he had been talking about Hephaestus and sort of just trying to quote scripture at me, and I was like, "Buddy, I know Hephaestus, okay?" So like, uh, you don't get to talk to me like that about it. So I went down to sort of set him straight. Um. We just got into a bit of an argument. But then I stepped back up after I won the argument, and, uh, and Arant was dead, you know? God. And so you went to the Aphasis? Is that the religious yeah. sect that you were 
Well, I dabbled. Going to... Yeah. That I was yeah. going to. Uh, there was just somebody in the bar who who worshipped Ephesus, but they were quoting his scripture wrong, and I was like, "That's ridiculous. I know it better than you, and I'm not even a worshipper of Ephesus. I'm something of a I." You know, I like to study religions, uh, and I and I go around and I and I learn them. Although they don't usually impress me very much, you know, they're all kind of they're all kind of wrong. And um, what religion were you in town studying? Oh yeah, uh, hang on a second. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, Arant, you know, Arant, the guy who was murdered. He said that he, uh, we were in town to look at the Church of the Open Eye, but he kind of knew a guy in the church, and then now he's gone, so I don't know. Maybe I should just go home. Who was the last guy at the uh, Church of the Open Eye that you spoke with? Uh, great. That's a super good question. Let me think about it for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't. I never actually got to the church, is what I'm remembering now. I, I was gonna go to the church with her aunt, but we we just got into town last night, so we were kind of just making nesting, and uh, we were supposed to meet with him today. I don't even know his name. Ah, oh, jeez. Did anyone come to see you at the bar that you were staying, or the inn you were staying at? No, not that I know of. I guess somebody came and visited us because somebody killed her aunt, but I didn't get to talk to them either or know who they were. Oh, that kind of makes yeah, sense. But no friends, um, no, no, no good visits. I was. What was the name of the inn that you were staying at? I was staying at the Sleeping Giant. And then I talked to, so at first I thought, oh God, I got to go to the cops. And then I thought, I don't trust the guards. I'm not going to do that. So I talked to the owner, who's uh, Marilyn Willows, and uh, they pointed me to you, because apparently you solve crimes, right? You, you help people like me. Yeah, generally. Oh, I really could use a hand. Um. Well, let's start by going to the scene of the crime. Yeah, let's do that. I didn't touch anything, so it's just as, I, as it was uh, when it happened. And I nod and say I believe him, but... It's not the most believable nod. Gotcha. <laughs> I really did it. <laughs> As you're uh, leading him out, you see Penny and Aldalar standing in the lobby, and they're kind of talking back and forth to each other, and they're like, where did Swifty go? <laughs> and they just, uh, they apparently can't find Swifty anywhere, and as you're about to walk out, uh, Penny says, Lazy, dear, we... We don't know what happened to Swifty, um, but hopefully you can handle this on your own. We'll, we'll try to get a, a raven over to him, or uh, to Barry, or Chirp, or anyone else. Everybody's kind of out of the office at the moment, but we'll send somebody over to help you, okay? Alright, no problem, Penny. And as the two of you walk out, uh, you don't see Swifty watching you from around the corner. Well, do I notice, though? Oh, yeah. No, see, that's the thing. I want. I don't want the torn to notice but i want michelle to see me i'm going to try to make eye contact with her okay torn go ahead and make me a uh, perception check sure 13 lazy what'd you get eight torn you don't see anything i mean and you're 
you're not really full on looking for him anyways. You just kind of glance back and forth. So you don't you don't see as Swifty kind of ducks back and as lazy you're looking down the two sides of the building out in front of the beholder's eye. I am see stunned Swifty? by the sun. Exactly. Yeah, you you kind of get the sun in your eyes at one point. And right as you're about to give up looking you catch something out of the corner of your eye, and you see Swifty's tail just barely poking out around the corner. And so you you do notice that. Is it left or right? Uh, he is to the left, and you know that the sleeping giant is going to be to your right. So I take Torin, and I just go left. Okay. Towards me? Yeah. The inn I stayed at is actually the other way, but... <laughs> Has the urchin came back yet? As... The two of them start to walk towards you. The urchin is behind you, pulling at your robes. And he's like, sir, sir. Okay, so I see them walking towards me, and I look at Lazy, and I go, one minute. (laughs) You just pop yourself out and like, hold up. And I turn around, and I pick up the urchin again. I abruptly stop. (laughs) Okay. By the front of his shirt. I'm like, what do you know? Well, well, I asked asked around. There's been a lot of murders in the city in the last couple days. Um... There was like four or five yesterday. Um, uh, there was one early this morning, though. It was just a traveler, though. We don't we don't really have any information. Please don't hurt me. You're not gonna eat me, are you? Can I somehow perceive that the lone traveler murder is the one I want without having the information that Michelle has been told by Torin? Does that make sense? You might insight get a ca- yeah yeah insight would be yeah. Okay. 18 plus 6, 24. 24, alright. You can tell that this last murder that he's talking about might be the most important one, but he also has no information about it, other than it happened last night and it was some sort of traveler. It doesn't really interest the Assassin's Guild because they had nothing to do with it. Okay, so I pull him closer and I lick his tears off of his face and then I say, Good little urchin! And I let him go. He keeps crying and screaming, well, crying and sobbing as he runs off down the street. And you see, as he's running, uh, that the back of his pants are darkening a bit from what you would assume is pee. And then I turn around to Lazy and Torin, and I say, yes? Lazy, or, excuse me. That is you! (laughs) Swifty. Swifty, I need some help with this. Uh, There's been a murder. We gotta go check it out. It was from, or it's a traveler. Ah. Uh, dragonborn, like you. Was the the other traveler, the one who was murdered, was he also a dragonborn? Yeah, he is a dragonborn. He was an older uh, guy, 65, 66. Uh, he was uh, not, as, not as burly as I am. He kind of looked how my voice sounds, and I kind of sound... Wait, no, I kind of look like his voice sounds, so it was, you know... It's probably better to not have us both still alive just for confusion's sake, I guess, but I miss him. Did you ask him if he did it? Me? In Dragonborn culture, it is okay to kill your elders. No, I, I'm ask, I'm asking Lazy if she asked Torin oh. if he did you know, it. No, Torin like, is standing is Torin right guilty, next to right me. in front of him. And I'm looking at you with suspicious eyes. I didn't kill him, because if I killed him, I wouldn't be trying to get help figuring out who killed him, because I'd know it was me. That is a good point. (laughs) But otherwise, it's, you know, I like the way you work. I like that you don't take anything for granted. Okay, I help you now. (laughs) 
I trust you now. <laughs> so, the three of you head over to the Sleeping Giant. The Sleeping Giant is a four-story, very large inn. There is over 40 rooms in this inn. How there, did you afford this uh, well, accommodation? All, they're, they're all pretty much one bed. They're, they're for travelers. Okay. Um, travelers don't really mind economy class. if they have to sleep, you know, two to a bed or one on the floor if they're in groups kind of thing. But the the building is very bright as you're walking up to it because the entire exterior of it is painted in a very, very, very garish shade of yellow. Like it, it just reflects the sun back on it, but it's it's one of the cheapest inns in the city because it can sometimes it sometimes doubles as a hostel where people can stay for free if they're very destitute. The innkeeper Marilyn uh, takes pity on a lot of people. is known to let groups of orphans stay in the room at the time. Anyway, as the three of you walk into the sleeping giant. Torin, you've you're familiar with this. Uh, Lazy and Swifty, you've never really had a reason to come into this place before. You just know that it's existence being in the city. And as you walk through the doors, you see a pretty modest bar set up in the the entry. A nice hearth to one side, a uh, simple wooden bar in the back. Uh, at least 15 different tables and when I say different I don't mean you know I mean they're literally different tables all different shapes and sizes very eclectic exactly as well the uh, also the chairs don't match the tables so yeah with a lot of merchants coming through you'd think you'd have different sized tables for different races and so on different exactly. comfort levels exactly it's very much known as a place for travelers to come and rest in the city as the three of you walk up to the bar, Marilyn is behind the bar. She is a very beautiful elven woman, but beautiful in a plain for elves way, which is still more beautiful than most other people. Mm -hmm. And she has very, very uh, she has long golden hair that reaches down to the back of her knees. And as she walks up to the bar to ask you what she can help you with, she sees Torin and says, "Oh." You're back. Oh, you, I'm. I'm assuming these are two of the investigators from the Beholder's Eye. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much. They've been really great so far. They gave me coffee, and uh, we met another one of them outside. So, really good tip to go to them. Fantastic. We've heard good things about them over there. So, we've been able to keep your room the way it was for now, but people are starting to notice the the smell. If I may say, I know it's a delicate issue, but um, we're going to have to get the body out of here soon. And as soon as we do, the guards are going to know what's up and they're, they're going to want to come in and see. So you guys, you guys better get up there quick and, and check it out, okay? Okay, yeah, sorry again about the smell of my, my dead friend. Uh, and you're yes, right. Yes, I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And <laughs> here, and she... Uh, she pulls a satchel out, a small satchel out from behind the bar, and she says, Here, here's the gold that you paid for your rooms. I I cannot in good conscience take this money anymore, so why don't you go ahead and take that back? That'll 
help you with the barrier talk. Sorry again. No, it's not your fault. Yeah, thanks again. Uh, you've been great. This, you know, just good service. Um, and thanks for the refund. Ugh. Thank you. I hope you leave us a review on Fantasy Yo. I will, yeah. I will. <laughs> Three out of five, my friend died here. <laughs> yes, Swifty? I would like to try to steal that gold. So as he's... Yeah, as he's like putting, putting it on his pocket, I'm going to try to slide a hand in and put it in my pocket. Okay, make me a slide a hand. 13. Torin, make me a uh, perception check. That should be plus two, so 16. Torin, as you're putting this gold away in one of your, you know, your belt pouches, you feel a hand lightly caress your hand and you immediately look over to Swifty and Swifty is standing there with his hand still touching your hand staring at you no like I see like I feel your movement and you see my gaze go from my hand up to your eyes and I look you dead in the eye and I say I must investigate it I like your style you know anything could be a clue so I'm gonna open up the bag and show him the gold that's inside uh, Swifty, make me another sleight of hand check to try and steal some of this gold before you give it back. Because I know that's what you 19. want. Nineteen. There's five gold pieces, and uh, they have basically paid up to be here for a week. And you're able to get two of the gold pieces off and put them back into the bag. Like shuffle them behind my hand into a scale. <laughs> and kind of hand it back to him. And Torin, make me one more perception check to see if you, you notice anything different about this. Eighteen. You do notice, Torian, but you, you, it's up to you if you want to say anything to him about it. Uh, do you need those two gold for an investigation, or could I have those? Because I, you know, I'm No, I, I gotta take them to a guy. For a, to, to see if they're real. They're real. That's yes. why. Yes, oh. this, this might be part of a larger money laundering scam. That's a good point. I hope you understand. <laughs> I do. That's, you know, I hadn't thought of that, but money laundering can happen to anybody. So yes. murder happens, but the... the world doesn't revolve around you, my friend. <laughs> You're right. You're right. You know, it's just one murder. There's plenty of other things that could go horribly wrong in the world. Let's, uh. let's go investigate your dead friend. Okay. Welcome, loyal listener, to Inside the Player's Studio with your host and Dungeon Master, Andrew. Hey everybody, it's your DM, Andrew. I am here today with Stephen Buckley, and he played the amazing Torin Yarden on today's episode and next time's episode. Uh, Stephen, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Andrew? Great, great, great. Thank you for joining me, and uh, thank you for playing with us. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Awesome. So, uh, I'm just going to roll right into these questions here. Uh, what first got you into D&D, and what is your experience level? Uh, what first got me into D&D is uh, my best friend growing up, and still my best friend, Adam Braley. Uh, he invited me up to his mom's house one summer. His stepbrother was playing D&D, and they wove this character I made into their story. 
we played for a couple of hours, and ever since then, I wanted to read the books and get into the lore, and I just, I, I've been playing it ever since, pretty much, on and off. Yeah, instantly hooked, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was yeah, a love at first sight kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't blame you. I, I, I had a pretty similar, you know, experience of the first time I sat down and played was just like, well, yeah, this is what I'm going to be doing as often it, as I possibly can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like, I, you know, I already played Magic the Gathering and I read a lot of fantasy and just suddenly realizing uh, that this was even an option. Like, I remember I went home from that trip and I have a younger brother and I was immediately like, okay, I just played this game and we're going to recreate it with index cards and all these six-sided die we had because I didn't say D6 back then. Uh, and we made a horrible zombie version of D&D that was not nearly as good as what I played uh, the <laughs> So uh, what do you, <clears throat> why do you like playing D&D? Uh, I think, so I, I love, D&D has all these different facets and I, I like that people can come to it from all these different angles. Uh, I love the storytelling aspect of it. I think the thing that intoxicates me about uh, role-playing in general and D&D specifically is that, like I said, I grew up reading all of these uh, fantasy novels, yeah. and there's always this feeling when you finish a great book that you're like, oh, I wish it didn't have to end. And D&D yeah. was the first, is like the promise of like, it doesn't have to end. Like it can, with a good storyteller, with the right group, and if you can manage to figure out scheduling, you can keep playing D&D as long as, uh, as long as you want. Yeah, no, world. you know, honestly, I, I'd never made that connection before, but yeah, I'd always had that same feeling of, you know, I want, I want more of these, you know, these stories and these characters and D and D very much is that of, Oh, you want, you could just do that forever. If you can manage it, you can do it forever. You can keep those characters alive or have characters die and new characters show up and just keep that same world going forever. Right. Right. And there are, there are campaigns I played in when I was, you know, 13 or 14 that like, I can still remember like confronting the villain and all of that. And I don't, I, to this day, I don't know what their motives are. And I bet if I found the DM, they'd be like, I don't know why they did that, but it's a yeah. story that's still in my head. And like, it, it doesn't have that feeling of like, well, that got all wrapped up and there's nothing left to do in that world. Uh, and that's, uh, I really love that. That's, that's definitely the feeling that I think everyone should leave the table with. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, so do you, have you done much DMing? I have, yeah. Uh, I hadn't... Uh, a couple you, of years ago, I hadn't, but now I've done quite a lot. <laughs> do you prefer to be a uh, DM or a player? So, I think for most of my D&D playing career, in almost every campaign, I've been a player. Um, I used to only DM one-shots because I didn't like planning over long periods. Uh, <laughs> I've been DMing a campaign that's gone on for about two years now, and it's, oh, nice. it's so gratifying. I did not realize how much I would love... Uh, DMing a long campaign uh, until I was doing it, and I, think I love one it. Of the things for me that makes DMing a long campaign most enjoyable is coming up with you know your basic idea and world building and starting to expand, and then it just becomes this this balancing act of questions of yeah oh well if if I need this over here to happen then how do I you know manipulate the scenarios around it and if if I want my players to do something specific, how do I get them to do it without making me them feel like I made them do it narratively? And right, 
that to me is always the fun thing, it, especially with this show that uh, and having guests on and just having you guys come in and play a character, you know, for a little bit and getting thrown into this. Well, I've got a very specific idea of where the story's all going, but I'm still leaving it to you guys to make decisions and there's times when things have not gone even <laughs> the way I oh, thought yeah. they were going to, but they ended up being better for our narrative in the long run. Right. That's uh, something that I didn't think, like when I first started DMing, uh, I like, you know, I DM things before that were short enough that you can kind of control everything. Um, but when yeah. you start DMing a yeah. world, there's this feeling of like, they can just leave. Like they can find something more interesting and wander away from whatever you thought was cool uh and at first well, it really and that's yeah oh go ahead the, the, at first it really like not scared me but kind of was like oh geez i have to be ready for that i have to be ready for that and now after a, after a while like you get this feeling of like it doesn't just like when you're reading a book where you're talking about like you know this world and you know what could be in it now there's a sense of like i might not know exactly what's on that mountain but by the time they get to it i'll i'll be able to figure out an adventure if i didn't have one plan you'll have an idea yeah exactly. right or you just kind of let things happen or you know you don't you have this npc that you've planned you know all this backstory backstory and lore for and they never go and talk to them but they oh. want to go talk to this person <laughs> over here that you've done <laughs> yeah. no work on whatsoever and now suddenly you have to make up everything about this person on the spot and most of the time those become the most beloved characters exactly because those are the characters that are closest to like when you plan someone and you think about all of them you know nobody really is sitting down and planning out their whole life whereas when somebody just asks you you know does this character have kids all of a sudden you're like yeah they do and they're five and eight and one of them's a rascal yeah. and like that's closer to what you have experienced than their intricate plot to take over uh the woods or whatever exactly so yeah all right so we're gonna take a little break um and we will be back with some more questions in the next episode bye everybody bye Is there a lot of criminal activity within the uh, Sleeping Giant? Are you asking this of the... Of Maryland. Of Maryland. Maryland, uh, turns to you and says, I mean, we've had incidences, but we've never had a murder. We've, we've had a lot of theft. The nature of, of our establishment here is, is such that we don't get... You know, we don't get the most honest people. Do you notice any thieves can't on the wall? That, that's what I was going to say. So I have criminal contacts, right? So I, if there are those associates of a thieves guild or anything in the crowd, I would as, see them, wouldn't I? As you're standing there listening to Lazy and Marin talk to each other, you're kind of looking around the bar. Uh, yeah, I'm going to step into their conversation if I do see people. Okay. Uh, you don't see anyone that is in the bar that is associated with either the Assassins or the Thieves Guild, but all along the bar, there's plenty of graffiti where people have carved their names into the bar and things like that. But you see plenty of Thieves Camp runes that basically say that this place is a safe place. Okay, so I lean in and I look to Lazy and I'm like, this place is dirtier than a dockside whore, man. And I just look in shock and I'm like, really, Swifty? Yeah. <laughs>
you not only that, but I already lost two gold since I came in here. So when you think about and, it, and <laughs> and this guy died here last night. Yeah. Marilyn says, "I try to run an upstanding establishment here, but some things are out of my control. Like I said, we've never had a murder before, so I would have to assume that your friend probably brought him on him." I'm gonna stop talking now. Anyways, here is the key to your room back. I've kept everyone out of it. Just go and get this get this out of my hair, please. And she seems a little bit annoyed and places the key on the table and goes down the bar to another patron. You know, if this keeps up, I'm gonna give them a two out of five instead of a three out of five, because this service is getting worse and worse. So the three of you head up to uh, Torin and Ern's room, and as you're on making your way up there, it's on the third floor, and you have to go through a couple of hallways to get there. You see a few people hanging out in the, the hallways, and most of them just seem to be various travelers, excuse me, different merchants. Um, there's actually on the second floor staircase in one of the stairwells, there's a man that when you pass by, he opens up his coat and he says, I have no watches if you would like to buy them. And he's got about six or seven gnomish watches, wristwatches hanging from his, his coat. And he, Is this stairway an interior stairway or an exterior stairway? Interior stairway. Do I see anybody that I saw at the, at the bar last night? Oh, no. I mean, you've passed by this guy a couple of times and you can tell that most of what he has is crap. Basically. Gotcha. And okay. He doesn't even he doesn't even wait for your response as you've already probably blown him off a couple of times and sees that lazy and swifty aren't interested and just kinda puts his coat away and turns back to the corner and waits for you all to pass. Okay. But as you get to your room, Torin, uh, you see that the door has not been disturbed. Uh, the door is still closed and, and locked and as you unlock it and open it, the three of you, you this is a familiar scene to you now, Torin, but the Swifty and Lazy, the first thing that you notice is this dead body that is laying in the middle of the floor. That's him. Really? You see the body of a dragonborn that in life would have had somewhat vibrant scales. He appears to have been a red dragonborn, but after his death all the color has basically drained out of his body. And this is so the scales are not vibrant that. anymore? What's that? The scales are not vibrant anymore? No, no, the, the color is all but gone. It has faded almost to gray. And his body... I was going to eat his face, but I don't think I want to now. <laughs> even, even from the description... It's a hot day. You, even from the description that Torin gave you of him... He seemed like a bit smaller of a stature of a person, but this corpse is, is almost mummified. It's, it's just, there's nothing, there seems to be no fluids of any kind left in this corpse. How, what, what is there a wound? Is there a wound? Uh, there are no obvious wounds that you can see. The body is kind of twisted at a natural angles, but not in a to the point of like breaking any limbs or dislocation, just kind of all twisted up. And 
he the from what you can tell just can I, uh, standing at the door looking at it uh, it seems that as you're looking around the room you see a overturned desk in one corner the bed looks to be just completely demolished the room has been tossed the room's been completely tossed it, it looks like there was also a very serious struggle that happened between the victim and their assailant I look at Torin, right? And I say, Did you sleep through this? No, I was, uh, no, I went downstairs to talk to a guy about religion. It was, a, uh, you know, at the time it seemed very important. Um, now I feel a bit foolish about it. Yeah, bad call. Yeah, bad call. Yeah, you know, I thought that a lot in the last 24 hours. What could I have done differently? Not argued. That's what I thought. <laughs> Not let your friend die. Yeah, you know, it's true. <laughs> As the three of you are standing outside the door having this conversation, kind of looking in on this carnage, uh, a head pops out from the door next to it, and, or from the room next to the, immediately adjacent to this room, and you see the face of a youngish dwarf, and... Does, do you guys know what happened over there? Do you know what happened over here? Well, yeah. Last night I was... Okay, so last night I was awoken by a lot of noise. And it lasted for about five to ten minutes. So... There. there was a lot of screaming and wrestling. And then it I, just stopped abruptly. I hold up my hand to shut the dwarf up. And I look at Lazy and I'm like, You talk to stupid dwarf. I investigate room. I'll talk to the dwarf too. Yeah. Lazy and Torn, as you kind of take a step over to this dwarf, he, he takes another step out of his room and he says, Yeah, it, it was really, really weird. Like, probably around, I don't know, like midnight, 11 o'clock, somewhere in there. I was sound asleep and then... I heard like like a loud thumping noise against the wall and my bed kind of shook a little bit and it woke me up um and then for the next i don't know five or ten minutes i i can't i can't really remember that well it seemed like like people were throwing the furniture around how many people did it sound like were in there oh i mean it kind of just sounded like one person because I, I really only heard one voice yelling out. Um, but I don't know if one person could have made that much racket. Like, Did you hear anybody or see anybody in the hallway outside when this was happening? Oh, no, I didn't open my door. I, I, I was a bit afraid that if I went out there, I might get attacked by whoever was doing that. I, I, I was just going to go ahead and make a complaint this in the morning and then I got distracted and I came back to my room and kind of forgot about it. So you, I heard you know, voices out in the hall. Yeah, I get it. You know, you, you hear a, a horrible attack and you're like, ah, I'll deal with it later. I get it. I get it. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, when, when you put it that way, now I, I kind of feel bad about it. No, it's okay. I, you know, I was feeling bad earlier because this guy was like, hey, if you hadn't been in the bar, maybe your friend would still be alive. But now that I think about it, you know, we all make mistakes. You just got to live and learn, buddy. You just got to live and you got to learn. <laughs> <laughs> so don't feel too bad. 
He, uh, you see, like, a single tear roll out of his eyes. Like, thank, thank you. Thank yeah, you no, no problem. We're, you know, it's it's like uh, it's written in the holy text of, of Boreas. You know, we're all going to die, so just enjoy getting there. <laughs> Do you have any questions for him, Lazy? Um, I was going to ask him what his business in town is. Oh, I, um, I'm kind of on a, a bit of a pilgrimage. I'm heading to the farthest... Uh, point north on the continent and this is one of the last big stops on the way um, and then I'm going to walk all the way back down to the bottom tip of the continent uh, and I, I started at the middle point so it it's kind of I don't know it it's a rite of passage for my clan it shows that we we can survive okay. well best of luck to you get some rest as the two of you are talking to this dwarf, though, Swifty starts to take a look into the room. Now, because I'm a criminal hitman, I can notice the location of valuables and things that would be hidden anytime oh. I walk into a room. Yeah. So I would like to know if there's anything valuable or hidden in this room right off the bat. So you can see that this room doesn't have anywhere to really hide anything. Um, the nature of the room... And I, I know it was tossed, but like, did they miss anything or leave anything behind? Well, not necessarily that. Just, just the general nature of what this room is and the, the establishment that this is. You would know that all the floorboards are built in such a way that you can't pry one up. There's nothing hanging on the walls that you could hide something behind. They know they're going to have people in here that might not be... Okay, past that. I am a sa an assassin. I've seen the aftermath of kill scenes before so so i have some idea i would think on that tip you start to take a look at the body first yeah i wanted to do an investigation on the body and basically the scene in general and like what it can tell me roll me a guess uh investigation on the body first huh <laughs> shit 10 actually you know what uh roll me a medicine check on the body bad dice <laughs> six as you're looking at this body... This body is a body! <laughs> I I hear Swifty cursing and start walking back and say, have yeah. a good day to the dwarf. As you're looking at this body, you see that, like I said before from the door, you could see that it was, you know, oddly em emaciated and kind of sunken. And the best that you could tell is you, you take one of your claws and you kind of scrape it in between a couple of the scales. Yeah, because poking dead bodies is just sort of yeah. how I roll. And you see that no no blood comes out. Because even after a body is dead, I mean, there's still some pressure in there. It's, it's going to leak. So he's bloodless, like he's been drained? Exactly. It seems like he's been drained of all his... There's a, there's a name for that. Exsanguinated. Exsanguinated. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cheeks, you Anyways... <laughs> It, it, but not just blood. It seems like every fluid. Like he's he's completely dry. As you're investigating the body, though, rather than you know just the the way that you know he was murdered, you you're looking over his clothes. You see that his clothes are ripped in a couple of areas, and you don't see any wounds underneath, though. Just kind of like he was in a very. Are there any distinguishing marks or scars on the body? Not that you see. You see some old scars. But like, those are dragonborn scars. Yeah, nothing that looks like it was recent. Although, as you're looking over the body, you kind of open its mouth up a bit. Because it seems very... Okay, so his whole body is discolored. Yes. Is his tongue and his mouth still look healthy? Uh, no. That actually looks to be the worst part of it, as you're 
opening his mouth up, you notice that his tongue looks almost non-existent. It's so shriveled. Can I do another medicine check on his mouth to see if it was poison? Yes. Because I would think like if you see something like that on the body, that's 18. It doesn't seem to be any sort of poison, but as you're looking into his mouth, you see these odd... But something's up. ...circular shapes all over the inside of his mouth in, in kind of weird patterns. And just from what you know of what you've seen, you would have imagined that it was some sort of tentacle, possibly. As you're looking over this body, though, Lazy and Torin come by, uh, walking back into the room and Lazy you see you know Swifty punch over this body opening the mouth looking inside the mouth and one poking of the first it. things that you you notice as you're looking around the room is that where the desk is overturned in the corner there are several letters scattered around on the floor around it and uh you kind of look from that around the room and you see that there, the bed in the corner, you know, it, it's completely demolished, but it looks like it was almost like somebody was just picked up and just slammed into it over and over and over. Uh, other than that, there's, there's really not much else than both Torin and Urant's, uh, traveling packs that are in the opposite corner from the desk, uh, which have all both look like they've been overturned and, and dumped out. Rustled through. I go over to the letters on the floor and investigate that. Rio Kutorin, you noticed, uh, and you had noticed kind of when you took a look in before that where your bags had been overturned, it didn't really look like any of your stuff was in there that you could tell Huh, all right. Lazy, go ahead and make me an investigation check on those. What are words? Did you just roll it that way? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Do oh, I no. accidentally catch them on fire with, like, no. sparks or something? No, you go over to pick up one of these letters on the floor, and as you're bending over to grab the first one, you hit your head on the desk that's overturned. You don't, <laughs> you don't see one of the legs of the desk sticking out at a weird angle, and you just smack your eye right on it. <laughs> And you try to look at one of these letters with your, you know, your newly injured eye. You see that there's some sort of correspondence between two people, but you're having a hard time focusing. <laughs> uh, let, I can help you with that if if you need help uh, getting those letters. Said, oh, ow. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Because I assume all of my coworkers are idiots, I also walk up and look over your guys' shoulders and investigate the letters. Okay, so um, I'm actually, just accident prone. Okay. Uh, so Torin, go, uh, Torin, go ahead and make me an investigation check. Fourteen. As you're looking over these letters, you see that half of them are in Urant's uh, hand writing. That they're letters from him to Marilyn, the the innkeeper. Huh. And whoa, they seem to be pretty innocuous letters. A couple of them even just seem to be setting up the the stay that you guys were going to be staying there. And a couple of them mention the Church of the Open Eye, but more just they seem to be confirmations from Maryland that it's an organization that exists in the city. Uh, Swifty, go ahead and make me an investigation. Fifteen. Swifty, as you're looking over the shoulder of Torin and, and Lazy, Lazy, go ahead and make me one more. 
Now that you've kind of opened your, your eye, eye just hurt my finger and, in real life. <laughs> I would imagine as towards the movies, you might get the impression that he <laughs> I am unconscious. <laughs> oh no. Did you just roll another yeah. one? So oh you, my god. She <laughs> gave up and laid on the floor. You go to look at the letter that that Corey has in his hand and Swifty at the same time you're reaching over to point at something at the letter that you just noticed and Lazy kind of thought she saw something and was getting her face really close and you poke her in her other eye (laughs) (laughs) My reaction is to punch Swifty I would say you're able to you're able to see it coming because now uh, Uncanny dodge. Yes, exactly. Uh, Lazy, Lazy's both of her eyes hurt so bad that she's you know kind of got. Yeah, it's kind of a blind shot. Yeah, Swifty. What you notice though is that throughout the series of letters, they seem to be using some sort of code between the two of them. You don't recognize the code itself, but you know that. That it, it is a code. It's written in some sort of code. That this is is not just a simple because you notice a couple of weird words here and there. Yeah, things that are out of place. Exactly. So to speak. And letters reversed, things like that. Um can I like tell them to wait and sit down, like right there on the floor and try to figure it out with my intelligence? I sit down anyways. <laughs> and yeah. like I hang my I'm head. I'm gonna go over to Lazy and be like, "Hey, how are your eyes? How you, how you doing? I got real. They hurt real bad." Real bad because I couldn't understand it upon the first yeah. investigation. Yeah, but now that you've seen it, yeah. If ahead. I'm actually sitting there uh, and trying to figure it out, well, you don't have languages, do you? I can understand most languages if I sit and study. Okay. Oh yeah, because so, you might have a code breaker in there. Exactly. You sit down and you pull your thieves tool out, or your thieves tools out, and you see. Uh, you pull out your kind of your ring decoder kind of thing. Nineteen. And start sifting through this code, cross-referencing each letter back and forth. And while Torin is checking on Lazy to make sure that her eyes are fine, you find that <laughs> you're able to break this code down and decipher the real messages going back and forth. And you see that Arant was some sort of agent for something called the Protectorate and that Marilyn was his contact in the city and that he was supposed to be getting more information on the Church of the Open Eye and she had through a couple other contacts set up somebody from the Church of the Open Eye to come and kind of... She was like a deal breaker in between him and the Church of the Open Eye. Yeah, but I, she's also his his contact within this this organization. That he's in. I've never heard of the age or the protectorate group. Yeah, no, no, you have not heard of the protectorate before. As you're kind of figuring this out, and Torn and Lazy are checking things out, or, or and Torn is checking out Lazy. You all three of you hear a noise behind you in the doorway, and saying there is. Marilyn, and she says, So you found the letter.
That's a wrap, people.